Hi, I'm Joe Lynch, director of such cinematic classics as Wrong Turn 2, Knights of Badastum, Everly, and of course the new film, Mayhem. And when I'm not masturbating to Sasquatch porn, I'm listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Ooh, it feels so good. Like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, horror podcast that celebrates the entire catalog of one Barry Manilow. My name is Greg D. Oh, Mandy. And I'm Genius McGee. <laughs> and on today's episode, our sojourn through the suburbs continues, and this time we go from Springwood to Baltimore as we worship at the altar of John Waters' 1994 classic, Serial Mom. And whether or not you've worn white after Labor Day, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your zap hole. <laughs> if you find yourself zapping out on social media, you can zap along with us on Twitter at Nightmare Junkhead. No, excuse me, at Nightmare Junk, and on Facebook mm-hmm. at Nightmare Junkhead, and it is on that book of face where we have an events tab which leads to shenanigans and trial by jury shenanigans <laughs> and as this episode is releasing on friday july 8th if you live in the kansas city area and would you like to see your uh courtroom shenanigans taken yes. care of uh, indoors virtually and outdoors go to screenland.com and the friday i should say the friday yeah this episode is releasing our latest Friday Night Fright. Woo! Participated in uh, 2019's Into the Mouth of March Madness. It is a horror movie. If people Straight say up. like, "Oh, it's an action movie," yes, it's that too. You it's, can you can be complexed. It's many things. Yes, it is. And amongst those things, as we have seen through social media, I believe the kids call it a thirst trap. I guess so, because there's a lot of sexy individuals in this movie. Plus, plus, people are like, oh, there's no such thing as a good remake. Uh-huh. Mm. May I introduce you to my friend, uh, Mr. Summers, and Mr. Frazier, and, and a- Mr. Imhotep. And you've been a big kind of proponent of one Stephen Summers and a lot I of his work. I dig his shit. I mean, I really do. A lot of his monster movies, they're right up my they're right up my alley. They're big, they're bombastic, they're fun. Mm-hmm. That's the and that's the one thing that with the mummy is it's fun. Yeah. And based on the cast of characters that he brings in, the I like the nice mixing of CGI and practical. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's and the fondness of felines. And the disfondness for the villain. When you know you have a badass villain when they're afraid of cats. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Sleepwalkers. They were terrible things. Terrible, <laughs> terrible things. So, it should be noted, we did get enough. There's enough hype for this one, again, <clears throat> that we did go from Theater 2. We are now in Theater 1. Ooh. So, we're seeing this one on the big screen. Ooh. I have a prediction that next week's we might do the same thing if tickets go. But... I kind of want to keep it in two. I think for this one, we need to bring out the beaded curtains. That Yeah, that being said, next Friday Night's Fright. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, and it's one that technically I know I saw in the theater. Me too. 
Oh, me too. But this one wasn't at my normal haunts because it's new. I oh. saw this at Phoenix at the Legends. Wow. Yes. Fancy. Yes. And I was like, me and maybe there's like four other people in the theater to sit through the entirety of Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez's Grindhouse. And it should be noted, this will include the fake trailers mm-hmm. of the intermission here, which mm-hmm. I cannot Don't. wait. I think that's the most underrated of Me the too. fake trailers. I like that one a lot. I think, but although Thanksgiving is a great one. And, and the Machete. Machete, Werewolf Woman of the SS. SS with yeah. Nick Cage as Fu Manchu. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> really looking forward to that. Now, the other repertory screenings that are happening the weekend of July 8th, a movie that we both watched for the first time last January when we toured the world uh-huh. of all the weirdness. And when we got into Japan, mm-hmm. we got weird. Yeah, we did. And I mentioned it before, I would really like to see this one on the big screen, but this one should not be in theater one. No. This one needs to be in the smallest theater possible. You, you need to get rid of the seats. Like, you need to be sitting on the floor to take in Tetsuo the Iron Man. It needs to be one of those like art installations where you know when you walk into the room and it's got like the four all four screens are around you and it's just surrounding. That would blow your mind. Can oh, you imagine? No, I no, I don't want to imagine that. I'm still processing that experience because mushy, we what mushy, mushy 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 mushy. We watched it twice, if uh-huh. I recall. Uh-huh. And this is one that we did have one Mount Baldy with us, and he's just like, really? It's like okay. You, We've introduced him to society. Why not? From a shunting right. to the infamous melting. Yeah. Melt molding. It's kind of a lot of things happening yeah. in this one. Yeah. It oh, is... and cat trauma. Oh, yes. Be forewarned. Oh, yes. It, it's wild. It's weird. But then also happening that weekend, another movie that a metal fetishist would probably dig. Right. Uh, one that I recently talked about uh, seeing on the big screen because of the work of one Phil Tippett. But we're talking 1987's RoboCop. Oh, hell yeah. I'd buy that for a dollar. I love that movie. Now, is this the one with the not necessarily extended dick shooting? No, it's not the, the director's cut where you have uh, the the undoing of the mis- of Mr. Kinney right. in the boardroom scene that just keeps going and going. And same thing with the gore with Murphy? Yeah, where you don't see him lose the arm. Or, right. yeah. No, this will be, I believe, the theatrical, theatrical cut. cut. Which, again, still, I'd buy that for a dollar. Well, we even actually did a commentary for it uh-huh. back on the Nerds of Nostalgia Day in the backyard. Back, you remember that one? Yeah. We had, uh, in fact, Dustin was on it and Adrian. We need to bring the backyard shenanigans back. We will. We will. Now, speaking of backyard and the outdoors, uh, playing on the 9th on Saturday is another one that... I would love to talk about, but it's it's not horror, horror adjacent, but a lot of the people associated have been, you know, uh, horror adjacent, uh, but we've got the Coen Brothers Raising Arizona. Oh, I love that movie. I love, it's, I'm talking about Lamar. That's where that came from. Fucking Sam Worthington. Uh, mm-hmm. My mama didn't love me. Fucking Randall Tex Cobb. Like, I, I will... Listen to that argument that that is absolutely Nicolas Cage's finest performance. I will listen to that argument wholeheartedly. And it very much plays like a cartoon. Wonderfully so. Wonderfully so. And uh, it's, yeah. John Goodman in there. William Forsythe. Yeah. You know, if you don't breastfeed it, they grow up to resent you. (laughs) Uh, Holly Hunter killing it 
the whole I love him so much. And then, but the secret ingredient, and again, it's the partner to the swinging couples. There is, of course, Francis McDormand. Oh, he's just an angel from heaven. Every th- again, this is one of those films that you could just sit there and quote that's the problem with like if we try to do a commentary with it mm-hmm. we just sit there and quote the entire thing right but so, son you got a panty on your head you know just everything everything about it it's a fantastic movie you know how i know they had star wars they had some yodas and shit on them right it, everything is perfect so shit. please check it out uh, i you mean can... seriously would you subscribe to a patreon called unpainted huff hines <laughs> <laughs> now i'm I, I think I'm going to be there for that one. I need to watch that. <laughs> now that we're talking about it, you'll get. If I'm there, I will introduce the film. God help you all. But yeah, that's just a joy I'm to be talking held. about Lamore. <laughs> we we didn't get to see his house. Guaranteed pineapples. Pineapples everywhere. Look like a goddamn Hawaiian luau. Just pineapples all over the place. Now, of course, for those of you that don't live in the Kansas City area, and you know, you're saying, yeah, Screenland sounds pretty cool. You know, just in terms of what they're doing, they're a local business, mom and pop. Obviously, we uh, we're part of the family there. You would like to maybe support them from afar? You can do that. Uh, you can actually go to ScreenlandOnline.com, where they have a number of films that you can rent from them directly, or even better, become a member of their film family by going to Patreon.com/Screenland. Where amongst the perks, Genius and I, we host a little a watch party. Mm-hmm. What do you call it usually? The the sh- home game. The home game of Nightmare mm-hmm. Junkhead. It's a little thing called the Shutter Shoutout, where we uh, watch two films streaming via Shutter. Uh, usually a double feature that has a theme in mm-hmm. many ways. Uh, in fact, um, <clears throat> this last one we didn't necessarily do a double feature. We had uh, we had an anthology. It was the Etheria Film Night mm-hmm. and. We were even lucky enough to have the co-founder, Stacy Pippi, come on and talk that. Did I tell you that rat one was fucking freaky? Oh, let me just say this. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, take the time. Um, all directed by women, all feature ready, but... And all really, really fucking good. Oh, my goodness. You're going to go on a journey with those shorts. Yeah. It's freaking incredible. The Dana one was dope. Oh. They were, I mean, they were all fantastic. Yeah, th- there was that one that you were like, this is my favorite one. It was... Uh, now... Would it be Cuarente Cinco, Miss Cuarente Cinco? Which one? The oh, Miss, Miss 45? 45? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cuarente Cinco. <laughs> it, it, Senora Cuarente Cinco. There it is. There it is. It, the mariachi version. It, it played so wonderfully. Now, we're going to actually be pairing two films together. Now, we know what one is. The other one we don't yet because... We might possibly might have it, it's the summer uh, of guest stars. It really is actually. This will be if we can pull this off the third time. Mm-hmm. We'll have someone coming to talk with us now. When we're talking about talking, uh, you of course can stream uh, both of the films uh, through Shutter. But by joining the film family, you're going to have access to, like Genius said, the home version of us, and that includes a customized pre-show introduction where genius and i will give you some facts and context uh vintage trailers to go along with the movies to pair with them and then of course the post-film discussion Mm -hmm. where we try to process everything uh and again if that sounds good head on over to patreon.com slash screenland but genius uh, i'm talking uh film family and patreon we also have our own little film family at patreon and in fact we got a new member this uh, week genius oh yeah here's the thing I don't know how to react because I have I love every single member of our film family. We've given them all a shout-out here on the show. They're all we, fucking rad. Exactly. 
But I think this is the first time technically we're inducting royalty into the film family. Woo! As it turns out, who has joined us? The GG motherfucker P. The one and only Jill Gavargazion. Oh, shit. Jill, now, you're fucking red. Well, Jill, she's like family member. Right, right, right. She's she's like, if this was Saturday Night Live, she would have like the, the green five, jacket. Yeah, exactly. Right. She's practically a co-host right. on the show. Uh, but of course, hopefully, if you're on Shudder, you can go back to our Shudder shout out of which we watched The Stylist. And Satan Slaves. Mm-hmm. And we were lucky enough to have Jill come on and join our post-film discussion. Uh, and of course, uh, just watching the stylist. Ooh, and then speaking of uh, Satan Slaves, did you see they're making part two? Yes, I did. Sweet. Jill herself sent the info over to us. Right. <laughs> so we really appreciate the support, Jill. Uh, she's been she's been kind enough to uh, let us kind of be part of her journey in a lot of ways, just in terms of being kind enough to come on the show mm-hmm. and just chronicle everything. It's just been, a, again, a joy to watch. Even before, the, yeah. the, she's just been super dope from the jump. So, no. So, Jill, thank you. You're fucking rad, Jill. You're the shit. Now, of course, Jill, if you would like, and listen, I, I, I know right away, we got some members of the film family that don't necessarily listen to the stuff we put out because they're just more fans. They want to support us. We appreciate you, too. <laughs> but, Jill, if you would like, uh, you're going to have access to the I've Seen That mini episodes and, of course, content to all of the Shutter shoutouts. Now, if you would be interested in joining our film family and maybe like us to wax your car a little here on the show, head on over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead where we do indeed have every tier from a squiddly diddly to another time. Another place. Speaking of another time. Another place. Uh, I like that we went, we started in 1984. Mm-hmm. And we're flashing forward a whole decade. Yet we're in this weird time loop. That almost feels like we could be in the 1950s possibly. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy now that on this show... There are certain films, certain filmmakers that aren't horror, aren't horror adjacent that would be not necessarily, I don't want to say out of place on our show. Right. But we'd have to like, not necessarily, and it's our show. We can talk about what we want, but we're a horror podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame there are certain filmmakers out there that I know we're just never going to necessarily be able to talk about or devote an entire episode to. Because we'll talk about Paul W.S. Anderson. Of course. Well, of course. A few times. But we might not be able to talk about Paul Thomas Anderson on this show. So, although, much to my chagrin. I, although, like, I drink your milkshake. I'll make the argument. You can play that movie as a horror film <laughs> right? in many ways. In many ways. <laughs> Back-to-back feature with Kingpin. <laughs> the wrench do next Tuesday. Oh. Actually, for a bowling double feature, that's fairly clever. I'll, I'll attend that one, my friend. No, but in this case, when we were putting together the whole idea of horror in the suburbs, there was one movie that I know I wanted to make sure we talked about because it was one I was only I've only experienced within the last year and made an impression like nobody's business. Good. And we're good. <laughs> yes. Good. And I was like and I when I put forth the idea of talking serial mom like, fuck yeah. Anytime to talk Jonathan Winters, I'm down with. And hopefully Dustin is out there listening to this because, and if any of you don't know, 
again, talk about just language of the show. And this one's actually fairly recent, but mm-hmm. it's been fairly consistent, where our friend Dustin Pryor, Mount Baldy, a.k.a. the co-host of the Media Rewind podcast, mistakenly referred to John Waters as Jonathan Winters, <laughs> which is like, you couldn't get more opposite than that. So it's just kind of funny because I'm like, no, who we were talking? I forgot what we were talking about. We were talking about like hairspray, or we were mm-hmm. talking one of the movies John Waters does, and um, I was like, yeah, you know, the director of Hairspray, and he did that. He was on The Simpsons. He goes, he's not that big guy. I'm like, no. Oh wait, who's the big Jonathan? I'm like Jonathan Winters, and he goes, yeah, Jonathan Winters. He's the guy with that pencil thin mustache, and he makes weird movies, right? And I go. No, that's John Waters. He goes, oh, I've been going my whole life living the the switch to around. You changed the way he viewed the world that day, my friend. That's impressive. That is impressive. Because when you're introduced to the world of John Waters, it will forever change the way you look at things. It's, It's a whole new world if that world is dirty. It's like... It's like here, let me show you beautiful Baltimore sewers first. <laughs> well, you know, and so we, it's we, like okay. We often talk about certain directors and filmmakers and artists that have a visual style, an aesthetic that you can watch something and you immediately know it's their piece of work. Mm-hmm. If you were to describe the aesthetic of John Waters, and you kind of already did right there, but what other adjectives could you throw in there? What other descriptors? Sleazy. Sleazy. There's there's some, some vile shit being said, some vile actions being done, but it's all done mirthfully and it's all done playfully where cartoonish shit can happen while like somebody's talking about giant knockers and things are being flipped around. Yet it's done for fun. You can have um drag queens walking down the street eat picking up dog shit and just licking them for fun licking railings trying to be the grossest person in baltimore to win <laughs> cash prizes and that's an everyday in baltimore you can have a character by the name of hatchet face i mean this weird baltimore goes all the way back in time it's almost like it's almost like dairy yeah. or or castle rock mm-hmm. where this baltimore that lives on that's just in john waters's world is far from normal but instead of clowns in the sewers like you would have in Derry or castle rock you have like <laughs> you have people who live in sewers and they're like come on down i made some stew right so you'd have weird shit like that instead of like the kids like trying to escape from school you have students being kicked out of school because they're sealer arsonists and like they're very ju- they're juveniles future filmmakers delinquents yes. yeah so <laughs> well, and he's he is very much uh, a defender a, a purveyor champion of filth of, and, yeah of, and, of, and of free speech and, and he believes like to Put whatever you want, no matter how shocking, you will find your audience. And he mm-hmm. proves it then and again. One of my absolute favorite quotes is from him where it says, life is short. See a fucked up movie. I love that. There was a bit. He was talking about some of his favorite films and he was talking about uh, like Solo and a Serbian film. And, you know, he's like, again, I, I, I am all for it. I love what they're doing. And he also recognized he's like, listen, if you don't like it, just don't watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have that choice. And that's the the other thing, though, that I would say of not only a defender of 
all of those wonderful things. But more importantly, at least for me, is he seems to me to be kind of a a spokesman for the other. Yeah, and just exactly. Inter- He's been inclusive since yes, day one. Yes. I mean, and, since the get. And if you look at his his cast and crew that called the Dreamlanders, there are some people in there that are just the most they would be the like the, the 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 background characters in any other film if they were lucky. Right. But they're the stars, they're front and center. Front and center. And there is just something about him that just it gives haven to people that, you know, feel like an outcast in their small town, possibly. Whether right. they're in the suburbs, the city, the country. If you're if you feel like you don't belong. John Waters is there for you, and that's one of the things I've I've loved. And again, a, a part of his aesthetic mm-hmm. is all, the characters he he just brings in. It just seems like a fun world. And see, that's the thing. No matter what he's doing, and inclusive as he is, it's never in in mean spirit. No, no, it's he never is, in mean spirit. He's they, always everybody's in on the joke, telling the joke, not being the butt of the joke if anybody the butt of the joke is on the normal folk oh yes and i think that's what draws people to him because look at like the major villains in the most of his movies they're all normies or conservative christians or like like (laughs) bad parents you know just Mm -hmm. those are the villains those everyday stick it to the man society the man is the villain and that's he's very much a he's a countercultural figure right? a slobs versus snobs whatever whatever baggage you bring it really fits in nicely and again his the people he's brought in so that being said i want to what do you remember actually your first john waters movie by any chance i do hairspray really mm-hmm. that's that's not a bad one to to, to delve into that's right actually probably his most it might easily be his, accessible right like his most family friendly, easy, accessible. It one. really would be because it it's not as out there perverse as like some of his other. It's that's his more like you know I'm gonna tell an actual story about race relations mm-hmm. in early Baltimore where shit really went down, and set it to this backdrop of a dance hall where shit really mm-hmm. went down. So this is kind of but yet it's still. In the John Waters universe, where and Debbie Harry shows up with the bomb in her hair, and like um, they do have a whole dance doing the roach. Did you see that one in the theater? No. Okay. Okay. I was because again, random view movie viewings occasionally. It was on Showtime one day, Very and not. like random, just just random watched them. Like, oh, what's this, right? And there's Divine and Jerry Stiller, oh, God. and that was my first introduction to Divine, and I'm like. She didn't have the biggest part in that movie, but I was like, I need to know more about this yep. character yep. because she's. I know Jerry Stiller, I know Ricky Lake, you know, I know this, that, and the other, but she's funny. So oh, like, and so we're gonna get to Divine, but my first um, John Waters was in the theater, and it was via the Forty One Kids Club. Yes, that look is appropriate. <laughs> Was it this Pecker? Was, it was not Pecker. This was back in the day when Ken Houston led the 41 Kids Club. I don't remember how I got invited to it. I I think I had a friend of mine. It may have been my Probably friend Steve. Probably watching for X-Men 97 or some shit. I have a feeling it was probably like a, like a pre-screener of some sort. Mm-hmm. And Ken Houston was there for like five minutes of the movie and he left. And I distinctly remember him leaving because throughout the movie, I felt weird. And there were certain things that were happening in the movie, and I was seeing things. And I'm like, ah, this is. I was seeing things the young 
suburban whitey like myself had never seen before genius and for my first waters in the theater it was crybaby nice yeah in retrospect at the time though that what the fuck am i watching that kilter that off kilter again every john waters sensibility and the aesthetics and is and again this one's fairly mainstream for the most part it's a musical it's a musical even then though i knew it was different there was this was not something i've seen before right based on the way hatchet face hatchet face there's a character named hatchet face and she the oh my god and i have grown to love hatchet face but when young greg saw hatchet face she scared the shit out of me she was intense. She was. They were street toughs. Right. The drapes, right? Right. I felt a little more at the time. God help me, akin to the the squares. <laughs> Again, the younger suburbanite Whitey here. And next thing you know, the meanwhile, <laughs> three hours later, Greg sitting in his room crying into a jar, <laughs> just sitting there. I'll I, show those street toughs. <laughs> it well, then I was like enough, young enough Hi, where. Baby. I couldn't appreciate everything. I like the the making out scene, the French kissing and shit. Like I was like, oh my god, this is just awkward. Thanks, forty one Fox Kids Club. Ken Houston must have known because again, he bolted early, right? But like I said, I for, was forever changed. I looked he's at the like, world differently. He's like, let me get this right. You're about to show a bunch of teenagers a John Waters film. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I want no part of this. Uh, hey kids, here's the movie. Enjoy. It was glorious. Check it out was Fox glorious. 41 kids. But divine. <laughs> divine probably when you think of John Waters you're going to think the pencil thin mustache. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're also I mean think of divine. you're going to think divine. So I watched uh, Polyester for the first time. <laughs> and I was yeah. <laughs> that movie's wild, isn't it's, it? <laughs> it's, so I saw it at the Stray Cat Theater. Shout uh-huh. out to them local theater here in the Kansas City area. Freaking love them. <laughs> They had the actual odorama. Get the fuck out of scratch town, and really? sniff cards for it. Yes, if you didn't know, polyester was shot in odorama, and I remember I read something where John Waters was because this was like his first mainstream film. I think this came out in eighty one, but he was just laughing his ass off because he was going to have modern America, mainstream America, scratching, scratching and, sniffing and sniffing at his movie. Mm-hmm. And Divine is phenomenal in it. Like, they're doing some Douglas Sirk-esque acting, and Oliver, oh, no, play, oh, it's, it <laughs> was. pretty good. Thanks. I, I, I was just transfixed, and then you introduce Tab Hunter and his <laughs> whole character. <laughs> right. But then, like I said, John Waters, the way he writes young people, again, the juvenile delinquents, if it's in the 70s or 80s, the the, daughter, the Lulu, the I think. The tufferies. And the street, again, the drapes. He has an affection for them. You can truly tell. Again, anyone that's the outsider, mm-hmm. the ones that don't belong. Uh, I, I've uh, backward engineered into, uh, again, uh, Cecil B. Demented. Uh-huh. Uh, that one's, ha- have you seen that one in a no, while? No, that one, is, um, that's a blind spot on my Oh, waters. okay. Have you seen uh, Pink Flamingos? It's an I've seen that. That one is prime filthy. Yep. It's wonderful. And I get I know See, all the bits and pieces of it, but I've just never and I want I don't want to watch that by myself for the first time. Right. It was screening at Screenland here and I missed it out because I was I think we were doing something at the same time. I'm so upset because I need I 
I will wait we'll to see that in the theater. Night. I don't. I don't know if you should have it a backyard screening. Oh no, no, no! That will play indoors if anything. But no, I have to see that with a crowd because right. I know, based on the reputation and just the filthiness mm-hmm. and filth, filth, and Fucking I can ha- watch. Um, oh, was Woman Troubles? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and then also, God, God lover Edith Massey was one of his Dreamlanders, and her performance in polyester i was cackling every time she sashayed onto the screen because she was in a different outfit she was going through her like cotillion ball it was ridiculous and her christmas presents and shit oh my god this is this is what his idea of having money and not having to worry about anything is her performance oh god damn it again it his movies change you you get to it alters your perspective because when we think of suburbia he lived it plus he had to live the hate that happened in 50s suburbia 50s 60s suburbia so that's why he roots for the underdog being the underdog himself yeah and he's a champion and i'm Mm -hmm. glad he's found you talk about a film family i mean he's He's a cultural icon he i think you know you've made it if you show up on the simpsons yep as as not himself but basically a character named john who runs a store by the name of cockamamies <laughs> and i would peruse that store in fact i've probably been to stores <laughs> like that that just <laughs> and his performance in that episode it's one that people still talk about mm-hmm. and i think it's one of his favorite things that he's done because he even knew kind of the cultural relevance of the Simpsons and yeah. being asked to be. And the character he played is wonderful. He cured Homer Simpson of his homophobia. Not everybody can say that. John Waters can. <laughs> he works He works miracles. He is a miracle worker through his filmography, through his advocation for the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. I just, again. And the, his also for the pencil-thin mustache community. Oh, my God. Have you ever seen that SNL episode, Do the Creep? Yes. Oh, I, it's if you've been to any John Waters esque uh, movie at Screenland, you've seen that as part of the pre-show, <laughs> because he he still rocks it. I talk about how yeah. you wear a mustache, and when you're over your in your thirties beyond, and he has rocked it since he had long flowing hair. And not everybody can rock that look, but John Waters can, and he's adapt he's adapted his <laughs> hairstyle and everything else through but, the years. But there's one constant. I think, like, if he ever shaved it off, he would lose all of his powers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen him without the mustache? Uh-uh. No. No. No, and you will not uh-uh. see him without the mustache. No, he'll lose all of his powers like Samson. Samson! Like the Baltimore Samson. <laughs> well, staying in Baltimore and staying in the suburbs, what's kind of cool, I really like the fact that from uh, pa- talking about to Patreon, I do the whole thing that I've seen that challenge where I'm challenging myself to watch at least three new films a week. Mm-hmm. And a few of those new kind of experiences for me have made their way to the main feed. Uh, everything from like Class of 1999, mm-hmm. Just Before Dawn, uh, Bloody Birthday, <laughs> Pet Cemetery, to a number of experiences. Because most of them have been, I enjoyed the movie, and I had to find out if you'd seen it. And if you hadn't, I want you to watch it. Then that made its way to an episode. Or, in this case, yeah, I've seen that already. So... Serial Mom back in 1994. By any chance, did you see this one in the theater? No. Okay. I missed that one because while I was familiar with John Waters, I wasn't like, oh, cool. I'm going to go see another John Waters film. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think in 94, I would still would be dipping my toes. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. 
oh, it's a comedy. And not saying I was like, oh, you can't have horror and comedy. I never was one of those. You were still young, though. I was still more like, I want more horror. But mm-hmm. I, so I didn't get a chance to see this. In fact, I don't think I got to see this movie for the first time until like about maybe 2004 or five. Oh, no shit. Okay. Yeah. So I was kind of late to the game on this one by like a good decade. So I didn't grow up with it. But at the same time, I mean, I guess now, <laughs> 2004 or five might be almost 20 plus years. It's been a by while. The time we're when getting you're old. Listening to this, right? Yeah, we're getting so, old. So yeah, so yeah. No, I guess you could say I kind of ha- grew up at the later part of my life with it. But it's always been one of those ones that's so funny. And here's the thing. It's one of those ones I've seen it maybe about now this with this watch maybe about four okay. five times okay. so out of those times it's relatively not a lot in the rotation but every time I see it it's like Beetlejuice said just keep getting funnier right <laughs> I see more things yeah and I had a total revelation on this last viewing and it made my viewing of this significantly more enjoyable. So I watched it for the first time last year at Screenland, and I couldn't have asked for a better first-time viewing experience from the audience reaction, but also just the fact that this movie, this might be, I, I'm, I'm going to argue, might be one of the funniest films we've talked about on the main feed before. Oh, yeah. I have never laughed that hard. I have never gotten more out of like character performances on uh, like with you know Kathleen Turner. But again, the audience, everyone, there were some of them out there that started giggling before things happened because they knew what was coming. coming. They were anticipating, right? And then, like, I grew to anticipate. I'm like, oh, that crowd over there is getting, oh, yeah. And then, boom, something would happen. And she's about to turn on Annie. Oh, my God. By the time the movie finished, man, my grin was just a mile wide. And again, my perspective was forever changed. John Waters can do that from a young age to an old age. He's transformative. He's the magic uh, of John Watt. When when you dip your toe in those waters, you come out different. It's it's instead of the the waters of uh, Minnetonka, uh-huh, it's, it's the waters of Baltimore. Woo, and again, watch out. Uh huh. Exactly. Now there's like some <clears throat> sludge down at the bottom. You're this one sticky. This one very much stays into a satire of the suburbs. Absolutely. This is like the ideal twisted, but not in a Joe Dante way. In a way that's like. If Leave It to Beaver was mixed in with some sort of like Charles Manson type situation, just some or Michael Myers, just not she's not an unmercifully killer. She doesn't kill like anybody. Not indiscriminately per se. She's very precise. A method to the madness. But she has a hair trigger. Let me ask you this. Are we witnessing her first kills? Oh no. Okay. This has been going on. Oh yeah. Okay. This okay. This has been going on. In fact, I I'm not sure if they alluded to it, but they're like at the beginning there's something that there's been, like been already a spree. That's true. That's true. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Again, only my second time viewing it at this point. I'm I'm still picking up things myself. Um uh, it definitely shows the underbelly of the suburbs, mm-hmm. just beneath the surface of things as they are. And again, some not necessarily as pretty. So, with a Nightmare on Elm Street, it was very much. It wasn't a satire at all. It was just the, this is a horror. The movie. seeds of what you sow. Right. You're not safe in the suburbs. You're not safe in your 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 house. You're not safe in your dreams. Here, it's just like you said, having John letting John Waters loose in the Leave It to Beaver era, but leave it to Baltimore mm-hmm. in this case. And see, that's the weird thing because. I couldn't get a bead on what time frame he was going for because the family itself 
is in the 1950s. Their friends are from the 1950s, but the world around them is from the 90s. Do you think this was his take on the Brady Bunch movie? I think it's his take on like the Leave It to Beaver movie, but like, but this guy Mrs. Cleaver actually had a cleaver, had a cleaver, and and kills people, right? Well, and that's it makes it good. And Mm -hmm. again, there's the anytime you can throw in that chaos, anytime you can throw in like the subversion of what you think, you don't expect like a loving, doubting mother to be a crazed serial killer that will kill anybody for the slightest of offenses, especially. If that mother is played by one Kathleen Turner. Yes. Welcome to the show, Kathleen Turner. Hello. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Another actor, performance person that will change the way you look at things based on the movies you've seen of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up with Kathleen Turner from Romancing the Stone. War of the Roses. Oh, goddamn War of the Roses. That's a good movie. When's the last time you watched Romancing the Stone? It's Romancing the Stone maybe about a while, actually. A while. Now, I watched Room, uh, War of the Roses maybe about three years ago. It was uh, one of the film clubs, was it not? Mm-hmm. Ba- oh, goddamn. It's a good movie. And, but, and of course, my heart of hearts, Kathleen Turner is always going to be the voice of Jessica Rabbit. That was a sexual awakening <laughs> for me. That, la- that movie launched Gosh. a thousand fetishes. No phobias. For, for various things. Uh, I will always go back to, uh, like, Body Heat. Mm-hmm. The, her and William Hurt. Um V.I. Wachowski. V.I. Wachowski. And yes. there was another movie. There was another movie that I saw her in, and she was like the main star. And I can't remember what it was, but I saw in the theater, and I was like, "Ooh, Kathleen Turner movie." And that just it, a Kathleen Turner movie. She was a draw. She was someone that you would go out seek out because she was dependable in the good movies. She was. She could do action. She could do funny. Yeah, she was. She was she, get out. Yeah, she could do drama. Freaking she was. Peggy Sue got married. Peggy Sue got married. Yes. I mean, and she's beautiful, and she's oh, yeah. distinct. Because cause she has that deep, gravelly voice, oh. you know? And it's just like, okay, cool. <laughs> so we're hitting all the senses with her, but very much, would you would you consider her like an A, you know, class star? Oh, yeah. Okay. And she received a lot of guff because they people like her agents were saying, like, Kathleen Turner. Why are you starring in this horror movie? Yes. And see, that's the thing. That's why John Waters hired her, because when he was sending the scripts out, he sent it out to Susan Sarandon. He sent it out to all these other like like big A stars. Big leading light, yeah. And they're like, no, we want to change this. Or, hey, can we make her less mean? Can we do this? <laughs> Kathleen Turner was like, John Waters wants me to be in a movie. Cool. Cool. I'm down. And from the get-go, my She's first- in on the joke. Oh, she knows she how knows- to play yes. it, too. She knows she knows what the intent and what the joke is and is having a ball. Right. And that's the thing. She's having she's laughing at her own jokes. And that's the great thing about it. From my first time viewing. And I distinctly remember the genuine joy I was feeling from her genuine joy and giggling and anticipation with that first prank call. Fuck face. Pussy. Pussy. Where do you live? Address one, two, three. Fuck you. And it's that voice she's making. It's it's. Okay, uh, Jerky Boys, that was 90. It was about okay. that time. It was about that time. And then, I anticip- like, then she goes, I'm sorry. Me, and it's Mink Stole that she's calling him. Oh, all yes. People, one of the right? Dreamlanders. Right. And like, God damn it, if you call me, ma'am, what, what's what, going on? Why are you calling? Oh, I just heard. Well, what do they say? How can I help you if you can't say it? And they call me a pussy willow. Ah, you dirty mouth, filthy fucking whore. I heard you calling me. And she's like, ah! And. The non the the she's she is, so happy 
oh, and she's bouncing up and down. She's and trying so excited. to like, suppress a giggle, and I'm watching that, and I am just <laughs> so soaked in and watching it again. I have I go back and I watch those clips on YouTube. Like I've watched that clip so many times because of her performance and poor Mink stole the anxiety she's feeling. This like, oh, I just can't. Do she doesn't this. want to pick up the phone. Like, and then and then the, the fact that like Kathleen Turner keeps fucking with her. Non-stop. Why'd you throw that Fabergé egg gaslighting her so and shit? Aggressively <laughs> doing it as well. Right. Come on, let's go. Let's go to the market right now. Oh my god! It, so even during the interrogation, what do they say? Oh, so you lied to me. Fuck you. No, fuck you. <laughs> and when it's Kathleen Turner, kind of almost playing against type, you know, she doesn't really play the the loving, doting mother. Like you said, she's the the actioneer. She's the hot. She's the, you know, the sultry one or the drama yes. or something, but not comedic, serial killing, loving, doting mother. Oh. Like very like dual performance because it's, when she's ready to like oh yes dear i made you some cookies and i brought you some lunch right she's very perfect but then there's that flip of the oh, switch yeah. where she's like mmm, and i'm like god damn that's a great like switch my favorite bit was when we find out why she hates mink stole and there's that little flashback when she cuts her off into the parking lot in his face and it's just that little slight and you the slightest you, slight you can't slight a sociopath because mm-hmm. they're going to remember it and they're going to put like compound interest until the eventual comeuppance. <laughs> and technically, she, I guess she kind of got it in the, in the courtroom scene. Yeah. She eventually came away unscathed. But her performance is nuanced. It's layered. And it's funny, though. And it's like you said, she seems to be having a blast doing it. Mm-hmm. And everyone in the cast. And we get a lot of the Dreamlanders here. We got Mink Stoll. We've got and some of the newer ones as well, which I thought was nice. Um, I remember watching the first time and going, oh, it's Tracy Tracy Lords. Lords. (laughs) And I don't want to get creeps and nostalgia. This is 1994 Tracy Lords. So very we know know, Tracy Lords aesthetically pleasing. Mm -hmm. We get uh, returning technically also one Ricky Lake, Mm -hmm. which I'm curious how many people out there know that she once had a thriving talk show career. Well, how many people know of Ricky Lake now? I mean, is she... Oh, God. Okay. Am I assuming way too much? I think so. I think, like... Because, I mean, when's the last time you're like, oh, shit, Ricky Lake? You know what I'm saying? Last time you... I mean, because, for example, because she didn't put out anything after her talk show. And her talk show ended because she had that thriving movie career where she had, like, back-to-back... Fuck, I think she was even nominated for, like, Best Supporting Oscar for one of the movies or some shit. And then she got the talk show. And then after that... Kind of just, just kind of went off. I think I wouldn't say it's a ricissance right now, cause like, but I have her seen. I've seen her pop up in in something. Well, we were talking off mic about how we would really love to see John Waters make like a full on horror film. Right. I'd like to think he does. She'd come back and participate mm-hmm. in it. Maybe almost be like the. Uh... Oh, and spe- oh, like no, no, what? no, no. no. I was just thinking like a Janet Lee-esque character that she'll be in and she's the one that gets killed off first or something. Like the legacy character? There you go. And then it's done by, speaking of legacy characters, it's done by Matthew Lillard. Oh. Basically, this is the Scream prequel. It's kind of crazy if you look at a trio of films that he did from Hackers to Serial Mom to Scream. Because he goes from Serial Killer, i.e. The Breakfast, Mm -hmm. to a Serial Killer with the mom. So here's what happened. Mm-hmm. So he was a hacker. After all the shit that went down in, in hackers, he got busted. 
Okay. And his mom's like, hey, if you want to live in my house, you got to uh, and stay out of trouble. You got to get a job. I got your job at the local video <laughs> store. Right. Local video store comes in. Something snaps in Kathleen Turner. All the shenanigans goes on. Kathleen Turner. Somehow the shenanigans keeps killing. She runs a foul. She gets murdered by Sidney Prescott. Uh oh, snap. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Yes. I'm all for that. I'm sure I know we're not the first people to put things like no. this to extrapolate that. But, but again, watching it and realizing that like the trajectory that he was going on. They work in the they, both characters work in the same video store. They both have they both come from uh, homicidal parents and are all in the suburbs mm -hmm. as well. Now, let's talk about that video store genius. That's a rad fucking video store. That looks like the video store that. This is where I used to go. And see, this is ironic because it was a little bit closer. They didn't have a new, better, newer movie selection. So for that, this was before Blockbuster. Mm -hmm. So for the better, newer ones and for the video games, I would go to this place called, um, I believe it was Planet Video, and it was right by the Walmart on State Avenue, right? Now, the video store that they worked at, now this is the one where if I was feeling feisty, I would go if I wanted to see Faces of Death. <laughs> Or they had the they had like the naughty XX curtain. They didn't have a bead curtain section. They just had a little cardboard sign in like marker XXX yep. right above yep. that. Very personalized. Because right? it was only like a nook. I mean, it was only one person at a time. If there was two people in there, one person had to get the fuck out or somebody <laughs> something. So that was just called video store, and that was over there on um, 18th and Central. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it w that's kind of a dangerous part of town now, kind of. It was even more so back in, like, the day, right? So the video store in there looked just like the one that was in there. It had all the cool posters. Yep. It was cramped. You had to go down a level of, like, on a carpeted ramp. That's even better. Yeah, and it had the little, like, that XXX, and that's where you would find that hardcore shit so question did they have like a personable crew there that mm -hmm. would work okay so you needed to know what you were looking for mm -hmm. ideally mm -hmm. kind of keep your head down get was it like the soup nazi just know what you want get out then not you're moving? necessarily but it was more like a like speaking of relevancy clerks three it was more like randall's okay that's fair that is fair happy scrappy you know so <laughs> well and throughout the entirety of the uh the the screen this time the first time I watched this, I was digging, of course, the video store. I'm like, oh, the you know, Death Becomes Her Standy. Mm -hmm. uh, they're playing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was only the second time that I noticed one of the, the posters, and it was for this movie called Scorchy. Now, here's the thing. I watched Scorchy for the first time, <laughs> and it's really good, actually. It's Connie Stevens as an undercover, co undercover cop. Um, it's got one of the best taglines ever, but... It's up in the center almost of this video store. John Waters probably loves that movie. I, that's just it. I guarantee God darn tea, he loves that film because Connie Stevens is practically playing a drag queen. She's got this Tammy Faye makeup on. <laughs> it's a proto-divine. Not as divine. It was definitely an inspiration, <laughs> without a doubt. But again, the funny thing about John Waters movies, it's got these weird tropes in it and this weird suburban thing like people's obsession with keeping up with the joneses and like the whole faberge egg the fact like oh it's but that's a faberge egg my god there was a craze for faberge eggs they were almost like a cabbage patch kid from for the adults franklin mint Ooh. franklin mint faberge egg does that come with a, like a certificate, certificate of authenticity, of authenticity. Yeah. because that franklin mint is everywhere 
extremely from the Fra- exclusively from the Franklin Mint. One quarter gold, silver plate, and there are always plates or certificates or coins or bullshit you don't need. <laughs> I'm one to talk as I got like <laughs> surrounded by my knickknacks and bric-a-bracs, right? You do, but, you genius. But at the same, fuck, I think, you know what? I think I actually have a- Do you have uh, like a horror Fabergé egg of some sort? No, but I think I have a- um, Fab, uh, one of those Franklin mint plates. Oh God! <laughs> I'm. I wouldn't be shocked, and they were everywhere. And more importantly, I always seem to find them with. Not going to say my elderly relatives, right. but you know maybe that eccentric aunt. Oh no, I got this one at a fucking uh, flea market, kind of like the one that they had in there, right? Uh. But this one has. This one has a bunch of clowns on it, but they're 70s clowns. Hobo so, clowns? Not quite hobo, but they're kind of creepy. Okay, that's fair. You know, because I kind of, I got my clown thing going on. <laughs> they're not necessarily spreading joy. Right. There's, well, angels to some, demons to others. They're Santa fair. clowns. That is fair. <laughs> but so, no, so I got a friend, Franklin Mint, even on the back. Ooh, Franklin Mint. So it's shit like that. And then you have shit also like the peephole guy. Oh my God! And you, of course, you're gonna have some sort of creeper. Some creep and some pervert because it's it's John Walters Baltimore. Everybody's a creeper or pervert. Well, it's also probably and again talk about hairspray being being his more accessible film. This also would be fairly accessible, I think, for most people. But you're still gonna have a glory hole guy there. Right. You're it, gonna- if if they show if the first day of John Waters School they show on in 101 yeah. they show hairspray they might show this midterm. That's fair. That's fair. It's I don't want to say maybe next level, but it's just like the it's next. It's not one. hairspray. No, it's right? not. It's not even crybaby. They might show crybaby or uh, hairspray midterm. Well, okay. Two things to point out in the um, in the the flea market or the brass armadillo as it is. The number one, the peewee doll. That was rad. So I wouldn't spend hundred. I wouldn't spend seventy five dollars on that fucking Fabergé egg. I would probably spend fifty bucks on that peewee doll. I bought one for a friend back in the day. And I'm not saying it cost me a pretty penny, but I had to go through eBay to get it. So Uh-oh. I saw that thing. And I'm like, oh, that's rad. I paired it with the Steve Urkel doll as well. Nice. Yeah, it was a good buy. It was a nice. good buy. But more importantly, you see it in the background and you look at it and only a certain people will go, isn't that such and such? And then finally, it is not only brought to the foreground, it is purchased at this flea market. <laughs> that god darn Don Knotts painting. And they even mention it. They go, whoa. Fucking Don Knotts, he's the coolest, right? And I'm like, what is he, Pondy? Because I even I even wrote it down. I was like, wait a minute, hold on. And, and so I was oh, like, only Knotts. in the world of John Waters is Don, Don Knotts, Knotts the coolest. Oh, I love it. The I love it. Fucking Pondy and Don Knotts. It just killed me, and that's the kind of. I was looking at the background. I was like, is that? I was sitting there thinking, like, that looks familiar. Did like fucking Gacy paint that? Like, why is that? Because it's prominent. It's it's it's, it. it's there in the shot. It's, it's there to be daring seen. you to, to look, look at it. At it. <laughs> it's that painting it's that it, top if, off if you look at it, it keeps staring at you no matter where you are in the room. It's a Don. Oh, can you imagine a Don? Oh. A, a talking one where you walk by. Oh, nipple in the bud. Or like Andy. They so, went up to Mount Pilot, you know, and they, they're just did, walking back and forth. Did I ever tell you that uh, a buddy of mine was a lifeguard at the uh, Jewish Community Center back in Overland Park back in the day? Um, he walked in and saw naked Don Knotts. <laughs> and, <laughs> Did he saw Don Knotts? 
<laughs> Come it's, on, knock on her door. He's out there. Oh, he's, he said he wasn't too, you know, traumatizing, but it was just, if anything, he's like, I got to see Don Knotts naked. That's a win for me. I'm like, yeah, you're right, actually. I kind of wish I could say I've seen Don Knotts naked. Not everybody can say that. Not, Not at a, all. There's a very, there's probably either a very short list or an extremely long list of people who say they can see Don Knotts naked, but it's not an infinite list. Unknown Lothario. Right, right. Kind of like Zelda Rubenstein talking about her litany many, of many lovers. lovers. Uh, okay. You talk Will Chamberlain of Mayberry. Oh God, that's awful. Oh crap. Okay, I'm gonna get us back on track here. You uh, talked about Joe Dante. Uh huh. Well, it's appropriate because the direct, uh, the cinematographer of this movie, um, uh, Robert M. Stevens, also shot The Burbs. So mm. you want to talk about two different shades of suburbia and trash can. Um yes trash ki- tra- that is trashman synopses so that is in my notes just in terms of the importance of sanitation and, right. and the trashman somebody should kill her killing her for the environment that entire sequence somebody just might and again she's so personable with everyone as long as you don't slide her as long as you're not chewing gum mm-hmm. um as long as you are putting on your seatbelt. She is so. As as you don't wear white after Labor Day. Woo! Even when you try to explain, fashions, fashions have changed. changed. No, they haven't. Yes, they have. No, they haven't. Oh. The fact that she's still wearing pearls <laughs> at her courtroom in the, in holding. The fact that she's always dressed up like Cleaver. Oh. I mean, just to the nines. Uh, she 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 doesn't like the brown word. Mm-mm. That one was perfect. And talking about certain words, the the p word. One of my favorite lines is this is by, is with Sam Watterson when he's like, uh, no woman would. Talking about who would say that? Well, no woman would. It's, ah, if, this is so seething with Waters' like, not contempt at certain things, but there's, it's not mean-spirited. It's just, but there's like, the he humor is so. old white stuffy well. Yeah, and he. But yeah. not mean-spirited. No, he's no. not like he's, the judge from Caddyshack. He's not the crusty dean. He's just like, oh my, like. The male equivalent of clutching pearls. Yeah, and I and the, actually the the their entire family, very loving to one mm-hmm. another. Uh, I love that she's so willing. Well, of course she is, but uh, Chip's love of horror films that she's supportive of it because when they come out and like, do you see what he drew? Like, yes. Yeah, it looks cool. Like you had that same kind of incident, right? I did. I did. So that one struck a big chord because yeah, the same thing happened to me. He's evil doing demonic shit because look what he did this I, I should fail him and like well he made the, the assignment was to make a clock he made a clock he likes monsters yep right so yeah she had my back just kind of like that but when he said well it must be something you did wrong i'm like well you just signed your death warrant <laughs> you know so you and- know you don't say that. Oh no, no! You under the tires, you will go, or over the car. I guess I should say in that case. With first, of course, gave him a fruit cake. Mm-hmm. But even his 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 room is decorated by a horror. This was coming off. Well, I guess shit. Eighty six was when we had summer school. But you have more and more characters in horror representation. Yes, that are these fans of horror. And again, again, some, John Waters. That's he. he that's oh, I love. I love Mr. Waters because he wasn't played. He was a sympathetic hero. He wasn't played as a horror fan for he laughs. No. He wasn't like, you know, um, uh, Fade to Black, where he's right. like the sympathetic horror until, lover. Right, until shit goes south. No, he's the only the one putting together and like, hey, I need to take care of my mom, but yet they're my mom's a serial killer. 
And then there was the first shot of his girlfriend, and she was sporting that jughead shit. That's again what the fuck time period is this? The rolling in an old convertible with the jughead shit coming coming straight out of Riverdale, not the remake, mind you. (laughs) We're talking OG, OG, OG. When when he had that tic tac toe on the side of his head, right? Kind of weirded me out too. I didn't know what the fuck is that supposed to be like a buzz cut? Abstract comic art. Just let your imagination fill in the gaps. We'll just have to ask Mrs. Grundy now. You, when we kind of got started, mentioned that there was something about this viewing that enhanced this particular viewing. Mm-hmm. Go into that. Okay. So at some point in time, I'm not 100% sure where it was. I think I... Because this is something was happened. It happened over the, the, the course of the viewing. Mm-hmm. As I'm watching this, and I think it's maybe the flea market scene. But I was like, this... With the style of humor, the way things are played for laughs, and I was putting the characters and things going along in my head, this is about as close as we'll ever get as a live action season three or four Tree House of Horror episode. Where season three and four they were of The Simpsons, where they're more focused on like a subversion of the old family sitcom tropes, mm-hmm. which is what you have here. But then you add jokes that fit perfectly with it like the whole oh i'll give you 50 for the trapezoid egg type shit or um when they're driving and all of a sudden they turn around like it's her ah and they scream right that's another perfect like simpsons gag um suzanne summers out of nowhere guest spot perfect simpsons thing so like i it was i know it was way before halfway point because i'm like as i'm watching this i'm like that Kathleen Turner is Marge, so instead of this, maybe this, you know, so a little bit of that. So things are starting to fit. I mean, I'm having a good time because I'm, I enjoy the movie already. Right. But now I'm like, ah, I mean, and the humor was hitting just everything. The fact that, like, underneath the bed she's got, he's looking through it and, like, uh, signed autograph poster of Richard Speck, you know, a tape from uh, Bundy, right? And even in, like, like another thing when they're at the funeral they're talking about like uh, i mean the, the church they're like well if uh oh my God. if jesus was going to complain about capital punishment he would have done it when he was on the cross so uh i mean we're good to go go for it and i'm like that's simpsons right there that's yeah. that scathing biting satire yep that's done in jest yet not really when it comes to shit like that and so and it's those kind of goofy jokes well and then i think when we were talking about this outside when she has that moment when they're at the dinner table and they're talking and someone mentions something about Scott thinks you're the serial killer and she's like, oh, oh, I'll be right. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. To see that. Excuse me. Remember, I'm like, that's a Simpsons joke. Right Straight there. out of it. And it's- then something like, oh, I don't like those violent movies. They're too violent and mean spirited. I preferred the Bill Cosby movies. And I'm like, <laughs> right. Because like, again, it's very Simpsons esque joke. Cause he's done terrible shit, and even back then it was he was kind of terrible and corny, you know. So like the fact that she loves it, and then like now lick mommy's feet, you know, just my god, weird things that are funny, non sequiturs, but kind of gross, but yet subversive, very satirist, uh, satirical, but also just goofy, <laughs> like oh Fabergé, oh right. Anytime uh, you beat someone to death with a leg of lamb, 
Well, she's singing fucking Annie. And I mean going full on out into Annie. She is having at that point just a great morning from the dog licking her feet, which again, I guarantee goddamn tea, this is one of probably Quentin Tarantino's favorite films, or at least favorite sings. so gross. Oh my God. Oh, I feel bad for the dog. That was almost animal abuse right Well, it, it's funny. I watched um, a like a little three-minute clip. John Waters was introducing this movie. This was like in 2015. He's talking about, you know talking to kathleen turner her wonderful performance but he's like watching it now is even better because let me just say there's a little bit on bill cosby in here <laughs> and it's just like he just i he he knew, he knew. there was la- something going he's on laughing there. at the joke it, that's one of the jokes that can still keep giving oh my god well from ghost dad i probably would have preferred her returning leonard part six myself but Dude, she fucking snotted on a baby my God! Why not? Because it's oh a John God. Waters film, and in the that's in the middle of church middle as well, of church. Which, middle of church, which starts Great. sets off a whole chase scene, shenanigan, a full on chase scene, all scored to the tunes of Basil Polidarius. Oh, who? Ba- Polidarius. <laughs> I need an old priest, and I need a young priest. Good thing I just—I almost said George Papadopoulos. <laughs> so. <laughs> That the first time I watched it in the theater, I was like, "Oh, I had that like you know Rick it Dalton makes moment." Sense because if you notice when yeah. they're driving and they're the boom, 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 it's real bass heavy. If you took out like the the the, the happy violins and shit, it would it would fit in uh, Tamara real good. Beverly, what is best in life? She she would know. Oh yeah, she would crush your enemies. That'd be first and foremost. <laughs> but it'd probably be like instead of hear the lamentation of the women, like hear the Hear the calls of the birds. And it was like, I was like, oh, bravo. Good good it. job. Again, oh, God this is it. a live action Simpsons movie. I mean, this is a live action Simpsons episode. And I loved it for it. But also like the whole. Sub- and when John Waters is going to subvert you, subvert he's going to subvert you. For example, when uh, the friend goes home and he's. He's fucking jacking off to uh, 70s vintage pornography. Chesty Morgan. Fucking Chesty Morgan movies. My He's God. Fucking, and then you think like, okay, <laughs> so downstairs is his mom and dad. It's that vile couple that oh, you just want to get got. The shots of them eating the chicken. Ah, oh, it is. It's it's that. What was uh? Oh my god, I can't remember that the, the the movie where the people are on the elevator, it keeps going down, the food is on it, it gets oh, going. Oh, platform. Yes. Oh yeah, that movie was gross. That, that, that cool. kind of like <laughs> Yes. Any right? kind you get those close up shots of someone eating stuff like and that. And the fact that he's calling the doctor on his day off at home to fix it. this, and then the wife's like, Now oh, yeah. do it. What if he dies? <laughs> I mean, every every scene they're in, you want them to die. And her comeuppance is probably if you like do uh uh, serial mom and the gift generator it's the first thing that pops up is the reveal of her in the closet with the scissors stick and also our little four-legged friend there at the very at the very bottom with the little mouse did mm-hmm. that throw you off this time Mm-mm. okay that's good a little bit i was like yeah. yeah but at the same time it was kind of funny given what you did with through etheria you're okay right right a one little scene of a mouse on a leg not as bad as crawling under the bed but then her dispatching of him with an ac pretty brutal like it was, it was very um not as brutal as uh at worlds at not at worlds and um hot fuzz oh god with him yeah right but that's very cartoonish right it was i mean a it, you're only missing a thud and him to come out like an accordion but it does play 
almost like the Silence of the Lambs misdirection for the mm-hmm. most part, where then the family comes back because they were they walk in on him right. in the midst of. <laughs> it was a master bait and switch. <laughs> Somewhere right now, Dustin is feeling there's something amiss. They're talking about a Jonathan Winters movie. Ah! <laughs> also, another negative against the lady that was dispatched with the leg of lamb. She didn't rewind. No. Had no care of rewinding. Fuck her. That's that's etiquette. Fuck her. That's some VHS rental store her. etiquette. As a former as a former blockbuster employee, she can eat a fat dick. Fuck her. <laughs> she deserves that leg of lamb. And I'm glad. And you know what? That's brilliant beating somebody with a leg of lamb because she's uh one She's disposed. She's a good. It's a unique murder weapon. Very. And it disposes of the evidence. You make friends with the puppy. Right. You're all good. Because the thing she's like, mm, she, she even, gives him a kiss. Because it kisses. Because the thing I'm oh, like, you can't help but like Kathleen it. Turner. Fucking love it. Love it. Uh, we get a John Waters cameo via voice as Ted Bundy. <sighs> and speaking of cameos, let's talk about Camelips. Oh, Elf Reeking Seven, which they have a song. Uh, let's pretend that we're dead. Mm-hmm. I had some female skater friends of mine back in the day. We call we called them the Pink Mafia because we were stupid. But they used the to time. sing. Uh, yeah, Onion in the Belt. Uh, they used to say, "When we pretend that we're dead, Rick," because it's my last name. So yeah, I've always felt a very special place with L Seven. Nice, but a la Camel Lips in this case with prosthetic. Oh my God. And you know John, I, you, well, know you know John Waters just love that. Is, is like, mm, that's, yeah, we just need to have the biggest giant camel toes. Just giant. Uh, they are a fantastic freaking band, though. David like, I know a guy. He can help. <laughs> Why haven't we had a John Waters, uh, um, uh, David Lynch collaboration at this point? And then throw in second AD David Cronenberg. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be... Body horde its finest. Oh. Well, I mean, we could go full crazy and we could have um, a Brian Usna, John Waters. I, I just want to see him do more work, but I really like to see him go full horror. horror. I really would like to see that. Uh, in this in this scene, we have some gratuitous uh, stage diving, some some crowd surfing going on. Fucking drops the uh, lighting on the dude, sets him on fire. Dude, everybody's like, "Yeah, great L7. stage show!" And then fucking L Seven just like throws alcohol and shit on him, lights some more ablaze. Well, Serial Mom is a celebrity, you know. She can cut through the entirety of the line. Like your Serial Mom, yeah, cool. She again, the the younger kids, the kids, they they like her, and there's something probably to be said with what John Waters is going with with the movie as well. I think he's got maybe some critiques uh, also going on here. Um, going through my notes, making sure we're hitting all the spots the here. The fact that, like, do you recycle? No. <gasps> That's the that. So the courtroom scene. Sam Watterson is Jack McCoy. You, I know, been watching Law & Order a little mm-hmm. bit, so you're, you've got to know that character. Mm-hmm. How strange is it? For him to just be passive in a courtroom scene, right? right. It's just unnatural. I'm off the clock. <laughs> he, McCoy is never off the clock, That's man. True. That man does not sleep no, until doesn't. the job is he done. He sleeps and eats the law. But the entire... So, a character named Straight from the Simpsons, the prosecuting Mr. attorney. Mr. Nasalrod. My God. Mrs. Suckfin. My God. Beverly Sutphin. That whole courtroom scene and her deconstruction and basically breaking everyone down from the interaction with, with, with Mink Stoll again and that little silent, 
Did you sell? She told me to fuck you. The, her breakdown Your of honor. Oh my god. Um, the stoner character, classic stoner. I mean, you just again, Waters right. loving that. Fucking the peep creep. The peep creep. Oh my god. So. See here, Basic Instinct, 89, yeah, 91-ish, lot, okay, and there's... Of, there's a lot of leg flapping. My God, and then, that's so funny and silly. Uh, I just, everything, and then the Suzanne Summers, her and her coming into the courtroom. Susan, just sashaying. She reminded me of like when a Muppet tries uh, to be fancy. You know how they have that weird, that walk? Jeanette. Right? And so... It's, and she's really good in this. As, I really, as herself, yeah. And then by the time the jury comes out, not guilty, blah, 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 we get the whole thing with Patty Hearst. Fashion never changes. And then one of my favorite endings is just that idea of don't get on her bad side at this point and just laying it out there. I I love this movie. I legit love this movie. It's It's hilarious. I think more people need to see it. I think this is a great, if musicals are not, well, Hairspray is not really a musical, although it's has a lot of music, music in, in it. it yeah um but if horror is your bag i think this would be a great either a horror fan's gateway to the world of john waters or a normie's world to a john waters so i think this is a a good intro point because it's, it, it's funny oh, it's yeah. gory it's i mean the kills gore. the kills are really good well, the fact that she pulls out liver yep and there is a lot of homages to horror films. You get to see bits. You get to the, one of the only kind of gore bits in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the dispatching of Franklin. Mm-hmm. You see it. And you got that lady complaining, of course. <laughs> now, it is a champion of horror. And I think just John Waters just being, again, the champion of the other and free speech and just weird movies. I just I, we don't deserve John Waters. Mm-hmm. So I that's why I hope I'm not being selfish by wanting more from John Waters. But I, I think he as long as he can continue to create art i'm always gonna be there he was just here recently in town uh lecturing yeah up in lawrence yeah and I, so he's still going around doing like touring and yeah doing all sorts of selling stuff. his so brand i maybe mean he should make some more movies and but either way yeah he's still, he's out, still out there. there throwing a big middle finger just pulling out their ray gun and going zap and just taking them all down and at this point in our society at this point in our country we need more zaps like that i think and Here's the thing. It works as a distraction, but knowing John Waters is out there and providing a voice for the people that are getting punched down on right now, it makes me sleep a little bit better. A pencil mustache thin guardian. That's We all deserve that. We mm-hmm. all deserve that. So th- I'm glad we covered this one. I really am. This is, uh, again, whether it's not your thing, that's okay. Now, that being said, next week we're staying in the suburbs. and Next week, the, the still, the sun will come out tomorrow. Yeah, the sun will come out tomorrow. And I'm not going to say we talked about pineapples on the front porches. I think there might be a pineapple on the front porch of the house that we're going to in the suburbs next week. Mm-hmm. So until that time, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Yeah.